So at Melbourne Heights, we want to help you take your next step toward God. And we want to help you take your next step toward God because no matter where you're at in your relationship with God right now, we believe that at least part of the reason why you're here this morning is because you want to grow closer to God. But we also know that growing closer to God isn't something that just happens by accident. You're never just going to stumble into a closer relationship with God. So if you want to grow closer to God, you have to be intentional about it. So we've been talking about how we can be more intentional and in growing in our relationship with God over the last few weeks. And we've been doing this by using this illustration we're going to show you right now. This is the illustration. This is the first step that it takes to grow closer to God. And the first step, as you can see up on the screen, is to worship God. If you want to grow closer to God, your first step is to worship God. But that word worship isn't just referring to what we do for one hour out of the week on a Sunday morning. Worship means so much more than that. Worship. Worship is what we do when we recognize that God is reaching out for us. Worship is what you do when you recognize that God is reaching out for you. And God does that for way more than one hour out of the week when you're sitting inside of this building, okay? God is constantly reaching out into your life. And if you want to worship God, you need to recognize that God, God, the God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in them, including you, is reaching out for you. And when you recognize, when you realize that God is reaching out for you, there's a certain reactions that you're going to need to have, that you're going to want to have to this good news. And that's what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks here in the church. The way that we need to react when we recognize that God is reaching out for us. And the first thing that you're going to want to do when you realize that God is reaching out for you is you are going to want to praise God. You're going to want to praise God for everything that God is doing in your lives. And praising God, what that means is it means that you let nothing stand between you and God. You let nothing hold you back. So when you're praising God, you're going to sing, even if you can't carry a tune in a bucket, because God is worthy of your song. You're going to dance, even if you have two left feet, because God is worthy of your dancing. You're going to let go of everything that stands between you and God, and you're going to celebrate God like you would celebrate if your favorite team wins tonight, Super Bowl, okay? And the second thing that you're going to want to do when you realize that God is reaching out for you is you're going to want to be in God's presence. You're going to want to spend more time with God when you realize that God is reaching out for you. But we talked about this last week. That's easier said than done. It's easier to want to be in God's presence than it is to actually be in God's presence. And that's because there are a million different things that constantly distract us from being able to enter into God's presence. So, and it, what, if, if you want to grow closer to God, you have to be able to eliminate some of those distractions in your life. And we talked about this last week. The best way to eliminate those distractions is to find time to be silent. To be silent, to be quiet, to be still. Because our silence is also our ticket to enter into God's presence. So that's what we've talked about over the last couple of weeks. And this morning we're going to continue on and we're going to keep thinking about what our reactions need to be when we realize that God is reaching out for us. But before we start digging deeper this morning, I need to give you a little bit of a warning at, at this point in the sermon. And I need to give you a warning because so far in this process of talking about what we need to do when we recognize that God is reaching out for us, we've been talking about the fun stuff, okay? 
We've been talking about the fun stuff that worship involves because it's fun to praise God, right? It's fun to laugh. It's fun to sing. It's fun to dance. It's fun to see how God is reaching out into your life for you, and it's fun to celebrate the way that God is at work in your life and in this world. And it's also fun to be in God's presence. It's fun to slow down from all of the rush that happens in our day-to-day life. It's fun to try to remove all of the distractions that we face. It's fun to just be, and to just be with God. But what we're going to talk about this morning, it's not so fun. What we're going to talk about this morning, it's hard. What we're going to talk about this morning is probably going to hurt your feelings at least a little bit, and it's probably going to step on your toes. And if what we talk about this morning doesn't hurt your feelings a little bit and step on your toes, it probably means that you're not actually listening to what I'm saying this morning, okay? But it needs to be said. You need to hear it. I need to hear it. We all need to hear it. So let's get into it, okay? When we recognize that God is reaching out for us, it must remind us of what matters the most to God. When we recognize that God is reaching out for us, it must remind us of what matters the most to God, and it must force our priorities to line up with God's priorities. Worship. Worship must make our priorities line up with God's priorities. If it doesn't, if our priorities, if your priorities aren't lining up with God's priorities, then you're not really worshiping God. If your priorities aren't lining up with God's priorities, then you're not really worshiping God. Are your feelings starting to hurt a little bit? Your toes already getting a little bit sore, right? Well, hold on, because we're just getting started this morning. So, if worship should force us for our priorities to line up with God's priorities, what we need to talk about is what are God's priorities? right? And if you spent much time in the church over the course of your life, if you've attended very many worship services, when you come into church and you attend worship services, you make some assumptions about what God's priorities are based on what happens when we gather together during worship services. So you're going to make assumptions about what matters to God most by what you see us doing in here the most often. So if you come to church very often, if you've attended very many worship services, you're going to assume that sermons matter to God, because we spend about half our time together. Every week, you put up with me and you listen to me, okay? And you're going to assume that the songs that we sing are what matters most to God, because that's a critical part of what happens during our worship. You're going to assume that the prayers that we pray and the offering that we collect are things that matter a whole lot to God. And you're also going to assume that sitting still and being quiet matter a lot to God, because that's the typical posture of worship. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, if you assume that the things that matter the most to God are the things that happen inside of the sanctuary week after week, you're wrong. If you assume that the things that that matter the most to God are the things that happen inside of this place week after week, the sermon, the songs, the prayers, the offering, sitting still, being quiet, if you think those are the things that matter the most to God, you're wrong. Apologize for being a little blunt, but we need to hear it that way. We need to hear it that way. So, what matters the most to God? If it's not the sermon, if it's not the songs, if it's not the prayers, if it's not the offering, what matters the most to God? Let me show you. If you've got your Bible, whether you've got a printed one, an app on your phone, go ahead and, lo- and start pulling up Isaiah. 
the book of Isaiah chapter 58. And as you're, tell, as you're finding Isaiah 58, let me just give you a little background information on this. Isaiah is what we call a prophet. A prophet is somebody who speaks on behalf of God. And Isaiah is being asked by God to deliver a very specific message to the people of Israel in Isaiah chapter 58. Now, historically speaking, this passage is written during a transition time in the life of the Israelites. They have been conquered decades earlier by the Babylonian Empire, and they had been hauled off, many of their leaders had been hauled off into exile all throughout the empire of Babylon. Well, now the Babylonian Empire has been conquered by the Persian Empire, and the Persians are getting ready to send the Israelites back home. But the Israelites don't know how to behave when they get back home. It's been decades since they've been there. And one of the greatest areas they're struggling with trying to understand what to do is how they are going to worship God when they go back home. Well, in Isaiah 58, God is chiming into the matter. God is letting the people know what God expects from their worship. And God's doing this because God's been worshiping, watching them worship all the time. And he's seen the faults that they have. But instead of listening to me talk about it, let's go straight to the source. Isaiah 58, we'll start reading in verse 1. This is what God says through the prophet Isaiah. God says, shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Tell my people Israel of their sins. All right, starting to get a feeling of how God feels about all of this, right? Shout it out loud. Let them hear about their sins. And he continues on. But they act so pious. They come to the temple every day, and they seem delighted to hear my laws. You would almost think this was a righteous nation that would never abandon its God. It's the God they love to make a show of coming to me, coming before me and asking me to take action on their behalf. We've fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed with us? We've done so much penance, and you don't even notice it. You're starting to get a feeling for how God feels about the people of Israel and their worship at this point. It's pretty clear in this passage, God isn't very happy with the way that the people of Israel have been worshiping him, even though on the outside they have been doing everything right. The people of Israel have been showing up to the temple every single day to worship God. They've been coming before God with their prayers and their petitions. They have even been fasting before God. Now, when was the last time you fasted? We're Baptists. That's a dirty word. We don't talk about that in church, right? Most of us have never fasted, but the people of Israel are doing all of these things. But God's still mad at them. God's still not happy with the worship that they're giving because God sees past their actions. He sees past their attendance, past their prayers, past their fasting, and he sees what is going on at their heart level. He sees that everything that they're doing has nothing to do with God, and it has everything to do with them. It has everything to do with them. When they go to the temple, they're going to the temple not to please God. They're going to the temple to please themselves. When they go, when they come and they offer their petitions and their prayers before God, they're not praying and petitioning to God. They're praying and petitioning for themselves. When they fast, they're not doing it for God. They're doing it for themselves. And God, God's not very happy about it. So let's jump back in and we'll see why God's not happy about it, where the people of Israel's priorities have gone off the rails. We'll pick back up at the start of verse 3. People of Israel, they say, we've fasted before you, why aren't you impressed with us? We've done so much penance and you don't even notice it, God. 
I'll tell you why, God says. It's because you are living for yourselves even while you're fasting. You keep right on oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and you keep on quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, by bowing your heads like a blade of grass in the wind. You dress in sackcloth. You cover yourself with ashes. Is that what you call fasting? Do you really think that that's what pleases the Lord? No. No, the kind of fasting that I want calls you to free those who are wrongly imprisoned and to stop oppressing those who work for you. Treat them fairly. Give them what they earn. I want you to share your food with the hungry and to welcome the poor wanderers into your homes. Give clothes to those who need them. Don't hide your relatives. Don't hide from your relatives who need your help. If you do these things, your salvation will come like the dawn. Yes, your healing will come quickly. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of God will protect you from behind. Did you hear what God's priorities are? Did you hear what God's priorities are? In case you missed it, let's read it again. No, the kind of fasting I want calls you to free those who are wrongly imprisoned and to stop oppressing those who work for you. Treat them fairly. Give them what they earn. I want you to share your food with the hungry, to welcome the poor wanderers into your home, to give clothes to those who need it, and to not hide from the relatives, your relatives, who need your help. God makes it pretty clear what God's priorities are. The people of Israel, they haven't been concerned with God's priorities. They've been concerned with their own. But here's the thing, just in case you feel like I'm cherry-picking here. Finding passages in Scripture to you know, make it say what I want it to say. Let's go a step further. Let's move past Isaiah and see what some other people have to say. In Micah, Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, write it down, you can find it later. This is what God says through the prophet Micah. He writes, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before God with burnt offerings and calves that are year old? Should I come making sacrifices? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? But God has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with your God. Did you hear what Micah said? God's priorities are what matters most to God. What does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And let's not stop there either. How about Hosea? Another one of our prophets, Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, write it down, find it later. This is what Hosea says. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. What does God say matters most to him through Hosea? He says that God wants you to show love, not to offer sacrifices, and to know God more than anything. How about one more example? I think you're getting the point, but let's go one more, okay? And in this one, we'll go to the New Testament. We'll go straight to the source. Jesus, who is God made human. When Jesus is approached and asked what the greatest commandment is, in Matthew's gospel, Matthew's account of Jesus' life, this is what Jesus says. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor 
as yourselves. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Love God. Love your neighbor. So what are God's priorities? Well, these passages, they make it crystal clear to us what God's priorities are to us. God's priorities say that God comes first, other people come second, and you come last. These are God's priorities. Isaiah makes it clear. Micah makes it clear. Hosea makes it clear. Jesus makes it clear that God's priorities say God comes first, other people come second, and you come last. Your wants, your needs, your desires, my wants, my needs, my desires, they go on the back burner. And the wants, the needs, the desires of everyone else come first. So how you doing on that? How you doing on God's priorities? Are your feelings hurting a little bit this morning? Your toes feeling a little bit sore? Because I'll tell you something, I'm bad at it. I am bad at God's priorities. I am not very good at putting God first, putting other people second, and putting myself last. And there's a good reason for that. Why? Because I want my life to be as easy as possible. And if I put God's needs, God's wants, God's desires first, and other people's needs and wants and desires ahead of my own, life ain't easy. I want my life to be easy. So I put myself first and let everything else fall on the back burner. I want my life to be enjoyable. I want my life to be simple. I want to do things in my life the way that I want to do them exactly when I want to do them. But that doesn't happen if I put God's priorities, other people's priorities, for my own. But let me tell you something this morning. When you put yourself last, and when you put God and other people first, God can do some incredible things through you. God can do some incredible things through you. I've seen it happen myself. And it happened, an example that I think of happened about a year and a half ago. About a year and a half ago, I was reading some research that had been conducted by one of the largest Christian research firms around. Lifeway. And Lifeway was conducting research to try to figure out, to determine why people return to church week after week. Not why they make their initial visit, but why they keep coming back. And in Lifeway's research, they found that up to 90% of people, up to 90% of the people are affected, uh, their decision to return to church is based on the preaching, based on the teaching that they hear when they're in church. Well, I ran across this information um, Things weren't going great around here. We weren't having a lot of people that were, that were coming in for the first time, and we definitely weren't having a whole lot of people that were turning for the first time. So I looked at the information, and I saw what the information was telling me. And the information was saying to me, if 90% of the people, up to 90% of the reason why people return to church is, in, is affected by the pastor and the preaching, well, then I need to look, take a long, hard look at myself and see how I'm doing in the process. But I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. I saw the research, but I saw myself and said, I really don't want to do this. And let me tell you why I don't want to do this. At that point, I had been preaching for eight years. Full-time ministry preaching every weekend for eight years. That's over 400 sermons that I had preached. And over the course of writing and preaching 400 sermons, you feel like you do a pretty decent job at it, okay? If you've done anything 400 times in your life, you feel like you do it all right, okay? So I like the way that I preached. 
I like the way that I preach because when I came up to the pulpit, I had my manuscript in front of me, I knew exactly what I wanted to say, exactly when I wanted to say, and I knew exactly how long it was going to take me to finish the sermon that I came up with. I enjoyed it. I liked it that way. But then I looked at the research, and the research kept saying, what you're doing is getting you the results that you're getting. So you can keep putting yourself and your priorities first, or you can put God first. You can put the needs of other people first, and you can change. So ultimately, I was convicted, and I decided that I would make some changes. I decided that even though it meant having to relearn a skill that I had worked on for eight years, that I would change. I decided that I would change, even though it meant adding at least two hours to my sermon preparation time every single week, that I would put in those extra hours to change. I made the change because I felt that God's priorities said I needed to make the change. I made the change because I felt other people's priorities and needs said I needed to make the change. So I put God first. I put other people ahead of myself. I put my needs, my wants, my desires on the back burner. And you know what? And you know what? In the year and a half since I made this change and started preaching a different style inside of our services on Sunday mornings, we've seen more people come back on multiple visits than we've seen in this church in a very, very long time. And above and beyond that, I've had so many of you catch me after a service on a Wednesday night, other points, and say some of the most life-changing sermons you have heard in your entire time in faith have been preached over the last 14 months or so. So you can't teach old dogs new tricks along the way. And God can do incredible things when you put God's priorities ahead of your own priorities. But none of that, none of that would have changed if I kept putting myself, my wants, my needs, my desires first. So here's my question for you this morning. When was the last time you put yourself last? When was the last time you put yourself last? last. When was the last time that when you opened up the freezer at night and you saw that there was one ice cream sandwich sitting in the box, you looked over to your spouse and said, hey honey, you want the last ice cream sandwich? When was the last time when you went into work and there was this nice box of Krispy Kreme donuts and there was one left in the box that you said, hey, somebody else can have that? When was the last time that when you flipped on the TV, when you were settling in at the night, you handed it to your kid and said, pick out what you want to watch? When was the last time when you got in the car, you let somebody else choose the radio station? When was the last time that you came into church and you let somebody sit in your spot? <laughs> now I'm meddling, right? <laughs> When was the last time you put your wants, your needs, your desires last and you worried about what other people needed, wanted, and desired more than you? When was the last time you did it? Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. If it's been a while, if it's been a while, you need to make this deep realization. And it's going to hurt when you see us put it up on the board, but you need to realize this. If you always come first, God always comes last. If you always come first, then God always comes last. 
It's not fun to see. It's not fun to say. But it's something we all need to realize. If you always come first, if your wants, your needs, your desires are the most important thing to you, then God is always going to come last. And if God always comes last, then you are never, never going to grow closer to God. So if you always find yourself coming first and the needs of other people, the desires of God, always come in last, it's time to rearrange your priorities. It's time to put God and other people ahead of yourself. It's time to change. Now we have a fancy word that we use for this inside of the church, and that word is penance. Penance. And penance is is recognizing that your priorities don't match God's priorities and then doing something about it. We need penance in our life. We need to look at ourselves and we need to realize where we always put ourselves first, where we always have our priorities out of whack and see where God's priorities are and then do something to change it. So here's my challenge for you this week. I want you to take a long, hard look at yourself. I want you to take a long, hard look at yourself, and I want you to see where you always put yourself first. Because there are places in your life where you always put yourself first. I want you to see where those places are, and then I want you to do something to change it. Take a long, hard look at yourself. See where you always put yourself first, and then commit to doing something to change it. It's that simple but it's that difficult. But if you do, you'll learn one of the most important things that you can learn in worship. You will learn to put God's priorities ahead of your own. And then you'll really be worshiping God the way that God wants you to worship Him. Let's pray together. God, we know that you are constantly reaching out for each of us, reaching into our daily lives all the time. And God, when we recognize this, when we realize how you're reaching out for us, it should make us want to do things for you. We should want to praise you, God. Celebrate all the things that you do for us. We should want to be in your presence and just to spend time with you. God, we should also want penance in our lives. We should want to recognize where our priorities don't match your priorities, and we should want to do something to change it. So God, my prayer for everyone who can hear my voice is that you open our eyes. You allow us to see where our priorities don't match yours. That you convict our spirit to change so that we can really worship you way you call us to worship you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.